First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. Welcome, everybody, to episode 714 of First Class Fatherhood. I am happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys as we head into the Father's Day weekend and we start to celebrate dads in the United States. You guys know it, Father's Day, we celebrate it every day right here on First Class Fatherhood. And I have got a phenomenal guest to bring you guys into the Father's Day weekend. Clay Travis joins me on the podcast today. Clay Travis is a political commentator, sports journalist, writer, radio host. He is the co-host of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show, which is a conservative talk show that filled in the time slot that was vacated by the late, great, legendary Rush Limbaugh. Clay Travis is also the founder of Outkick the Coverage, which he founded in 2011. Outkick has really blown up. It features so many great shows, including Outkick the Show with Clay Travis. It also features Tommy Lahren is Fearless, which I had the pleasure of being a guest on. Also, you can find the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show, many others over on OutKick. They're doing some phenomenal stuff over there. I got the link to OutKick down there in the description below. Clay Travis is quite the colorful political commentator. He has been banned by ESPN and CNN. They'll do that to you when you speak the truth too often. Uh, Clay Travis does bring the truth. He does bring the humor. He does bring the knowledge. And he is well on his way to becoming a legendary radio host, just as the predecessor who had his time slot before. And most importantly, Clay Travis is a father of three boys. It's an honor to have him on the podcast today. Clay Travis is going to be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Clay Travis was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you want to watch today's conversation between Clay Travis and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, I'm very blessed to have some great media appearances scheduled here for this Father's Day weekend. Beginning today, I will be on Sean Hannity's radio program later today, The Sean Hannity Show. So if you listen to that, uh, you'll catch my guest appearance there. Later on tonight... I will be a guest on The Bottom Line over on Fox Business, which is hosted by Sean Duffy. Sean Duffy is a first-class father that you've heard here on the podcast uh, at least three times. I know I had him twice on the podcast. I also did an interview with Sean and his wife, Rachel Campos Duffy. They both stopped by the show together. So I'm looking forward to seeing Sean. First time I'll get a chance to meet him in person. Uh, So that will be tonight on Fox Business. Sunday on Father's Day, I will be on Fox & Friends which has become almost like an annual appearance on Father's Day on Fox & Friends. I'm really grateful for the opportunity over there. And then later in the morning on Sunday, I will be on Newsmax Sunday Report. So if you're not sick and tired of listening to me on the podcast, you can get your fill of me on cable all weekend here. Again, it's such an honor and a blessing to be able to have the opportunity to speak about this subject, which is fatherhood, which we are celebrating. And you dads that listen to this podcast, you know how passionate I am about fatherhood and how just how important your role is and how important it is not just to your family, but it is to our country. And if you don't know how important your role is, just look around you and see what happens when you're not present. Every single statistical category that's going south in this country is directly tied to fathers not being present, not being involved, not being around, being absent. In my opinion, and you know it, 
It is the single greatest social issue we have in our country today. And I know you dads don't need no pat on the back, but I'd like to say to each and every one of you dads who listen to the podcast, some of you for the last five years, I just want to say happy Father's Day and thank you so much for all of your support for First Class Fatherhood over the years. It really means a lot to me. And because I am so sick and tired of everything that's happening in this country, I did launch a new show, The Alec Lace Show. It's a new podcast. You can find it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I do it live on Rumble every Tuesday and Thursday at 1 p.m. So if you're interested in political commentary on parenting issues in our country, check me out over there. And if you haven't already and you're looking for a last-minute Father's Day gift for anybody in your family, pick up a copy of my book, First Class Fatherhood, Advice and Wisdom from High Profile Dads. It was an instant Amazon bestseller when it dropped last year. You can find it in a bookstore near you. And if you order it on Amazon Prime, you still may get it in time for Father's Day. All right, be sure you follow me on Instagram, at Alec underscore Lace, for all the upcoming guest announcements. And as always, please help me spread the word about this podcast to every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list and let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. You guys know it. Father's Day, every day, right here on the podcast. Here comes my interview, straight up with Clay Travis on First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father Clay Travis. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Hey, I appreciate that. I hope I'm first class, maybe second class, maybe carriage class. I don't know. You'd have to ask my boys, but uh, I appreciate uh, being on with you. Yeah, well, you're on the show. You made it. You got the title for now. (laughs) So for the next 15 minutes, that's what we're going to call you. If you could, let's start right here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? Three boys. Uh, I have a 15-year-old, a 12-year-old, and an 8-year-old. So they are the most important things in my life, and uh, they've been a lot of fun. They're at great ages right now. I'd be very comfortable for the last four or five years. I've said this, uh, just kind of hanging out here for longer uh, because they're old enough um, that you can do a lot of fun things with them, but not so old that they think uh, being around dad or mom is super uncool. So, uh, so they're kind of perfect ages. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, I w- the only thing I wish is I wish I'd had more, but I'm, I'm pretty happy with three. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. Our oldest will be a senior in high school starting in September. We have three boys, then got our girl on the fourth try. So we were able to squeak her out there at the end. If not, we I would have, have liked five. to have had a daughter just to see what it's like. Uh, but, it, you know, I may have to wait for granddaughters at this point. So, <laughs> Well, if you could, Clay, for the people who don't know, just take one second to hit them with a little bit about your background and what you do. Yeah, so, uh, look, I, I took over for uh, legendary Rush Limbaugh. I'm on a show called uh, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show every day from 12 to 3. Uh, I run and sort of manage Outkick.com, which is one of the biggest sports websites in the country. Uh, I was on a sports gambling TV show for uh, for four years. I've worked with Fox Sports quite a lot, college football, uh, and many other different topics there over the years. Uh, and uh, I'm about to publish my fourth book, which will be out in August. So I do a little bit of everything, but radio, TV, and writing uh, is uh, sort of my province. Wow. So cool. But um, obviously more important than that here is the fatherhood journey. So take me back 15 years ago. How old were you when you became a dad and how did that experience kind of shift your perspective on life? Uh, I was 28 years old uh, when my oldest was born. So I I think relatively young, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, especially for dads. Um, And, uh, you know, I would say I'm way better of a dad now after the, you know, after having gone through three um, and in particular, I would say uh, the, the thing that's changed is before you have kids, 
you think you're busy, right? Uh, and, and there maybe there's people out there watching right now who don't have kids yet. Um, but you know, one of the things that I have had to learn is the balance of work, your priorities, your life in a way that I never quite frankly really comprehended uh, before I had kids, what time vacuums these kids are. And I always tell, you know, the 20 somethings out there running around who are uh, super young, uh, that you interact with on a day to day basis, they don't have kids yet. They think, oh, you know, I'm so busy. I'm like, no, you're not. You know, you could work 12 or 14 hours a day. You still have several hours where you have nobody that you're responsible for but yourself. Once you have kids, you're always busy. So I would say it just kind of changed the way that my day to day was created, but also made my horizon a lot different uh, because I spent a huge part of my time, as I'm sure you do as well, thinking about the world that my kids are going to inherit long after I'm gone. I'm 44. And I, you know, I try to see the, the world through my kids' eyes more and think about what we're leaving behind more so than just focusing on myself, if that makes, if that makes sense. It, it does, Clay. And obviously, yeah, I, I, that is a big concern of mine. And, and just like you said, you know, to the young 20-year-olds, our society has kind of uh, scared the younger generation into starting a family, getting married. The, the nuclear family has been under attack in this country. I think parents are the underdog, particularly yeah. the, 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 the family man. He is looked down upon. He's become the villain in our society today. And we've got another a number of kids growing up without a father or a father figure in their life. And I think that is the, the top priority or the number one cause. That plus God being removed from society. Those two things have been the one-two punch that have really knocked out our society here today. Yeah, I think there's a huge uh, legitimacy to the idea that masculinity is under assault. And, you know, I think about it a lot as the father of three boys. The, you know, being a man is an important and good thing. I don't believe in the idea of toxic masculinity any more than I believe in the idea of toxic femininity. I think there are good dads, bad dads, just like there are good moms and bad moms. And what I want to create now with my boys is I had a fabulous dad. I think my dad, if you put him on the scale, is in the 99.9 percentile for dads. I was incredibly fortunate. And I bet like a lot of other dads out there, you either use your dad as a model for what you would like to become, or if you feel like you didn't have a great father relationship or a great father figure, you try to use what your life was like as an example of what you don't want to create going forward. And I feel fortunate because in many ways, I'm trying to emulate uh, the upbringing that I had from my own father, um, who I think did an absolutely incredible job. I don't think I'm as good of a dad as my dad was. I think uh, he was better able to focus. I think he was more patient um, on with us than, uh, than I am. Uh, but uh, I feel fortunate that my kids get to have him as a grandfather too. So my hope is that the combo of me plus him as the grandfather is going to end up giving them a little bit better of, uh, of even an experience and opportunity that I had with fatherhood. Yeah. Awesome. And, and I think you're right. Now I've, I've interviewed a number of dads that, that grew up without a father or yeah. an abusive father, and they were able to break that cycle and say, I want to give the, my kids what I didn't have growing up. Correct. And those are the really real blessings to our, our, our society when people are able to make that shift because so many are unable to do it and they fall into the same cycle, repeat the same habits, abandon their kids, and it leaves our, our, our communities devastated here. And one thing too, because I know obviously you've been covering sports your whole life, we've seen more of a blend now with sports and politics, I think, than we've ever seen before. And it only seems to be represented on the one side. Uh, yeah. I, know that, I know we had all these leagues 
were encouraging uh, uh, their fans to donate to Black Lives Matter, which has now turned out to be a complete fraudulent front yeah. that went bankrupt. And we've never heard an apology from any of these leaks saying, hey, we got that one wrong. And now what we're going to see here on Friday is these si- sisters of perpetual uh, indecency yeah. are going to show up and they're going to be honored with a community hero award. And you got parents that bring their kids to the games. And this is a group that totally mocks the Catholic Church and they're celebrating it. And it really honestly makes me sick as a father and sick as a Catholic and sick as an American? Yeah, look, I mean, some people ask that question. You know, I was just a regular sports guy, right? I'm going to sit around and tell you who I think is going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm going to tell you, you know, who's going to win the World Series. Let's talk about who the best basketball player is in the world. And sports became so infected with the woke virus that they almost became totally and completely intertwined. So people say, well, how did you move from sports to politics? See, I didn't. Sports became so political that you either had to make a choice to pretend it wasn't, right? Because there's some people out there who say, I don't know why you have to have an opinion on uh, the Dodger Pride Night. I don't know why you have to have an opinion on Colin Kaepernick not standing for the national anthem or putting Black Lives Matter on the basketball court. And my argument is, well, if you want me to pretend that I'm blind and that I don't have an opinion on that, I can. But when you're trying to destroy uh, American institutions and attack them with everything you've got, and meanwhile, you're bowing to Japan, uh, sorry, to China. I think it becomes so intertwined that it's impossible not to call out that hypocrisy. Yeah, and one of the wildest things, especially during the pandemic, was the player on the Brooklyn Nets uh, that, that wouldn't wear the mask. I forget his name now. Uh, but, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. The, the, the whole idea, or he, would, he wouldn't get vaccinated. And the whole yeah. idea that if he had gotten traded to another team, he would have been allowed to play in the same yeah. arena. And people yeah. were buying it. And like, if yeah. you talked about it, they're like, oh, it's not, it's not a big deal. You but it made no sense. He could go sit in the crowd and watch the games in yeah. Brooklyn. But he wasn't allowed to play in the games. It's just absolutely crazy. Yeah, you made you want to bang your head against the wall and think, am I the one that's crazy here? Like, it really drove me nuts during that. But getting back to you as a father here, what would you consider uh, to be the top values you want to instill in all three of your boys growing up? I think number one is work hard at something. I I don't care what it is, right? If you decide that you want to be a history teacher, um, then I want you to be the best history teacher in America, right? Uh, If you decide that you want to be a uh, entrepreneur, whatever it might be. I I think trying to reward effort over results is what I spend a lot of time in. I think sports is important, right? Because um, this is how you kind of learn the idea. Most people are not going to be the best athlete on their team. At some point, you're not going to be, right? That doesn't mean that you can't commit entirely to working hard and trying to get the most out of your pursuit of excellence. And so I think that idea of working hard and pursuing excellence in whatever craft or field you embrace is the one that I spend the most time, effort over results. Because if you work hard for long enough, um, it's been my experience that you will see really good results. Uh, but you know, trying to reward just talent, I think sometimes we focus on what people are good at as opposed to the work ethic that's behind it. I think part of the problem with that too, Clay, is that you're rewarding mediocrity today too. So, so many kids show up, don't put the effort in and they're still getting the award and that's not doing them any justice because that's not making them want to go back, get better because they didn't get the award. So I I think that every kid gets a trophy type of philosophy has really uh, crippled so much of the youth, especially in this country today. Yeah. And I think you have to be mentally tough. I think that ties in like losing is not a bad thing. Uh, To me, 
if you only win or only succeed, it probably means you aren't attempting to stretch your boundaries and achieve new talents and new challenges. And so uh, that's a big part of that, too. You have to learn how to fail and still get yourself back up and try again. Yeah, well said. I know you said rewarding effort uh, is one of the things I, I love to ask the dads about discipline. I know you said you had a great dad growing up. What type of disciplinarian are you as a father with your three boys? And is that different than the discipline style you grew up with? Uh, my dad, I would say, was very lenient. I was also an amazing child, so he didn't have to discipline me. <laughs> enough. Um, my sister might disagree with that characterization. Um, I, my wife is actually way tougher than I am. Uh, I am. I am probably if you wanted to if you were asking my wife what is Clay's flaw as a uh, dad, she would probably say uh, that I tend to be uh, pretty lenient in terms of enforcing sort of strict uh, regulations. If I could go back in time and change one thing, some people out there are young parents. um, I wish I had thought more about the integration of technology, iPads. uh, We've held off on getting phones for our kids till they're 14 or 15. I think that's kind of good. but I didn't really spend a lot of time because, you know, when you're so my kids, like I said, are 15, 12 and eight It was like all of a sudden the iPad existed. The iPhone existed right as they were kind of coming of age. And nowadays, I think maybe parents think more about how they put technology, integrate technology as a part of their parenting. You know, we were just kind of in the weeds. We were kind of in the frenzy. I didn't ever make like a conscious decision of, oh, I'm not going to let my kid use an iPad until they're X age. We did with the phones. Uh, But that's one of the things that if I go back and look at, I hope uh, that we haven't introduced technology to them in a way that has changed sort of their developmental uh, space than it might have otherwise. You know, you sit back, I think if you're not questioning your choices that you're making as a parent on a regular basis, you're probably not doing the best version of parenting that you could. So that's one. If you got a two year old or you got a pregnant wife right now. Um, I still believe, by the way, that women get pregnant, men can't. So that's a wild, controversial opinion, evidently. So you got a pregnant wife right now, or you're a woman watching this uh, with your husband or uh, whatever. Um, That's one of the things that I'd be more contemplative of, I think. Yeah, you get me banned on YouTube for saying things like that. But uh, (laughs) one of the things that concerns me about the technology, I'd love to get your take on this because you covered the sports gambling for quite a while. I grew up, uh, you know, unfortunately, I fell into all these. I'm a recovering alcoholic, addict, gambler, maniac, the whole thing. I was, you know, booking bets by eighth grade and booked them all through high school. And uh, I was a sicko with it. And and now you have the opportunity to I could go to the local racetrack here and bet parlays, teasers. Everything now is being encouraged. The sports leagues are now encouraging you to do it. And for these younger generation that have have these tablets it almost seems like the land of make-believe and they're all doing these things now and it's so easy for them and i'm afraid that we're creating monsters and we we don't even see the results of it yet because it's so brand new and these kids are playing poker online they're playing all these things now and they're doing it legally what's your take on 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 what this is doing to our size a good thing i know it brings in a hell of a lot of revenue well first of all if they're doing it under the age of 18 or 21 they're not doing it legally right so they may be cheating their way into be able to do it at a young age um Look, that ties into me with the value of understanding money. Um, And I think that oftentimes our schools do a really poor job of sort of inculcating the idea of how to respect money, how to use it, why people use credit cards or spend money online when it's not physical in ways that they would not if it were physical. Um, And so I, I think understanding, to me, sports gambling is entertainment right? I like to go to the movies. I I like to go golf. 
I'm spending money to be entertained. So I think so long as the money that you are spending is in your head understood as a uh, entertainment, like you can watch a game and you might win 50 or 100 bucks while you watch that game. Okay, if I go golf, I'm probably going to spend 50 or 100 bucks pretty easily and I don't get that money back, right? Presume that it's a cost of entertainment. I think understanding, hey, what an investment is and what an entertainment is and the distinction between the two is complicated. What I worry about is when people conflate that and decide, oh, this gambling uh, thing is investing, like I'm trying to make money in the same way that if you're on Robinhood and you're trading stocks 45 times a day, I'm nervous about that versus, for instance, buying S&P 500 index funds, putting that money off on the side and saying, I'm not going to worry about it too much on a day-to-day basis. So I think it's all part and parcel to me of trying to make kids understand what money is, how to allocate it, and to make responsible, reasonable decisions as it pertains to what you do with that money. Yeah, very well said, Clay. Yeah, and I, I, you know, hard lessons are learned, definitely. I, I figured out that I got that I scream just as loud at a horse race when I got a hundred as when I do have a dollar on it. I just want to win. You know, I want to cash the ticket. That's, oh, that's got, really look, what it comes down to. Out of the little league game for cursing. I'm I'm far from perfect, <laughs> right? Like all football I bought from an umpire naturally react. Um, and uh people say, Oh, yeah, I can't believe you curse it again. It's like if you like again, I'm far from perfect. If you sit in the Travis household on a Saturday or Sunday and there's college football or NFL games going on all day, uh, the boys have heard a few choice words over uh, the outcomes of games. Uh, I wish I didn't, but that is uh, certainly a flaw. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Father's Day is this weekend. So what what does the uh, what does the perfect Father's Day look like for you? Uh, the perfect Father's Day for me. Oh, I mean, so I will actually be this year up at. Uh, up at uh, uh, at uh, Cooperstown, New York. I'm going to be at a 12-year-old Little League. I'm sure there's a lot of dads who've been to this. It's 12U. Uh, I'm going to be up there with my 12-year-old watching games all day. It's kind of a perfect day. Uh, I, I would say a perfect Father's Day is get to go out, uh, whatever restaurant uh, is your choice, get to kick back, watch. U.S. Open is always going on that weekend, uh, and then your wife sleeps with you uh, to close out the night. That, to me, is a perfect Father's that sounds like a banger. All right. Let, let, last thing I want to hit you with here, Clay, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that brand new dad out there or that yeah. about to be father who's listening? Um, I, I think uh, the biggest challenge of any new baby is lack of sleep. Um, and I think to the extent that you can do anything to help your wife uh, or your significant other, to get as much rest as she can and as much rest for you as you can. It is like being in boot camp. Uh, you are, you have no idea how much difference going from, let's say you're getting six or seven or eight hours a night's sleep to suddenly having three or four hours strung together. Um, and if you can, and I know it's difficult, just be cognizant of everybody's temperature is going to be elevated. Everybody is going to be likely to anger more rapidly. And if you can just take a pause and avoid and try to be supportive, I promise you get through it. That baby sleeps through the night, the whole first night. It will become, you know, you've had four, I've had three. The first time that baby sleeps through the night, the whole night, first of all, you're concerned that something happened, right? You rush in <laughs> like, oh my goodness, is he or she still okay? It will become one of the greatest days in your life. Quick story. I remember for our first the only way we could get him to sleep 
was in those little swings, right? Like it would, so we would, we finally were just so fed up. We were like, we'll leave him in this swing and we would change the batteries on that swing. He would sleep eight hours in the swing as long as it was moving. I don't know what it was about it for him, but in that swing, he would sleep eight hours. You take him out, you put him in his crib, he'll sleep two. And so this was my experiment. I was a little bit of a mad scientist. I said, look, that's like a two or three hour nap in there. What if we just leave that thing going all night? See whether he'll stay in there. It worked. So try some experiments. I know for a lot of people, the babies, it's amazing how often they fall asleep in the car, right? The car seat, like you get them like kind of tucked in there. Uh, every kid's different. Our first was a handful. Our second and third were cake. I think probably it has to do with the patience and what you learn. You're not as stressed as a parent. Uh, but I would say in those early days, when you're not getting sleep, when the stress is at a high level, um, if you can just do your best to just take a pause before you get into an argument, before you get in a fight, understand lack of sleep elevates everything to a crisis level. That's my best advice. If you can afford some people, if you have family members who can sleep over, uh, the night nurses, if you're fortunate enough to be able to occasionally uh, uh, have that, it's like the best Mother's Day present imaginable. Um, and then the other thing is, I got a couple, you're on the hook for a lot of Mother's Day. I didn't realize this when I had kids. The kids, until they get old enough, they don't know that they're responsible for Mother's Day. You got to take care of your own mom and you got to take care of your wife, even though she's not your mom. You're on the hook till those kids get old enough to take that off your plate. That's a lot of years. Don't blow it. Yeah, you're right about that, man. I, I love the message. This has been an honor for me. I got to say, Clay Travis, you are a first-class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on first-class fatherhood. Hey, I appreciate it. Keep up the good work, my man.